You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani. Once again, joined remotely by this guy's really my confidant, my partner in crime, and a guy I just really miss right now. Of course, I'm talking about at Eric Dalala. Yeah, Phil, the, uh, the days have turned to weeks. The weeks have turned to months. And still, we are not back at UC Health Training Center. And the neutral zone must go on somehow. So it goes on from afar. We must continue to stay strong until we get back to a sense of normalcy. Uh, I can't wait to get back in the studio and have these conversations with you. But, hey, we're trying to make the most of things right now. And uh, we have an excellent show in store for you. For the first time, Eric, since the start of the new league year, we hear from Broncos quarterback Drew Locke. Everyone wants to know what the Q has to say, Phil. And uh, he's got a lot to say. You know, a lot of new additions since the last time we heard from him. So pretty cool to hear him talk about his training schedule, you know, and then what he thinks of some of these additions to the offense. Yeah, I had a chance to uh, check in on him. He's uh, at his parents' house in Kansas City right now. Uh, A really good conversation coming up. You know, I was doing our things. He was doing Q things. And together, it it made for some great podcasting. Yeah, I think you need a QR code to access that content. Yeah, you got to scan, and then you access the content, and it's tremendous. Um, But, Eric, I wasn't the only one doing our things. You had a chance to catch up with the Athletics' Lindsey Jones. Yeah, and Lindsey was on a conference call with some national NFL reporters uh, on Tuesday, and that call, the NFL kind of covered what's going to happen with the offseason program, what's going to happen with the NFL draft, and what's going on with the schedule release. So Lindsey offers some uh, good info there, and then, you know, she's, she's in Denver, and she covers the Broncos too, so I think she gave us a pretty good national perspective on what the league thinks of some of these Broncos moves. You know, Eric, you and I are supposed to be in Florida right now covering the annual league meeting. So, of course, a lot of league news to get to. We weren't able to go there, but the the info somehow is still getting, you know, getting done. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these things still need to they need to be finalized. The playoffs have changed. Uh, so lots going on remotely. And uh, luckily, you were able to get a tanning bed delivered to your condo, I think. Yeah, I got to get my vitamin D somehow. And I'm pretty sure I just said the info needs to get done. So uh, maybe maybe those UV (laughs) rays have gone straight to my brain. (laughs) Yeah, the light light is not uh, hitting the right places. Eric, uh, you continued your uh, trend of talking with the athletic reporters with uh, Vic Tefer. Yeah, Vic Kafer, the athletic, he uh, covers the Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and he gave us kind of a look at what they've done in free agency. And that's the the latest installment of our look around the AFC West. Everyone's just trying to keep up with the Broncos. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Raiders did make a lot of moves. Eric, you know, they brought in my guy, Marcus Mariota. Oh, the Broncos might be in trouble then. That spells 16-0, and 0, I think. Uh, there's a lot of rumblings out of Las Vegas about the future of Derek Carr. Uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more later in the show. But, you know, uh, 
maybe there might be some uh, of a, a bit of a quarterback competition coming from uh, the desert. Yeah, maybe. And uh, Vic and I touched on that a little bit, so um, we'll be sure to get to that in just a bit. Eric, you know how to you always know how to spell desert versus dessert. That's true. Uh, dessert has two S's because it's sweeter. Because it's sweeter, and also you always want more. So oh. that's a good way to uh, to remember how to spell that. Um, but hey, enough talk about a different team's quarterback. Let's dive into my conversation with Broncos quarterback Drew Locke. Drew, uh, it seems like the entire world is dealing with the coronavirus right now. Uh, how are things where you are? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little different. Um, something that we're all not used to, but um, with you know all the guidelines and whatnot of you know stay home, the social distancing, it's everything. It's definitely different, but you know you got to find ways to you know adapt your lifestyle, adapt everything you're used to. Um, but you know, my dad's restaurants are kind of dealing with it a little bit right now. So it's definitely not been the easiest thing, but you know, we're trying to figure out ways to get around it and, you know, make life feel as normal as possible. So you're back at your parents' house there in Kansas city. Yes. I'm in Kansas city right now. Um, my girlfriend's here, mom and dad are here. And then my sister, um, a little less cases here in Missouri. I would be better off here with, especially with the restaurants that, you know, you don't have to go out and get food. My dad's always got food. It's just, it's been kind of an easy transition being here. My quarterback guys here, I can still throw it here and there. Uh, my trainer was here, which they shut all the gyms down, but we found a ton of different ways to get it, get work in at home with fans and whatnot. Uh, something cool, actually. Jeff sent me some of his workouts, some of his shoulders, arm stuff that he, he uses to stay in shape as far as his shoulder and arm goes. So starting to do a little bit of that. It's been you know, you just got to adapt. You just got to figure out ways to, you know, stay in shape. I got my uh, elevation mask working here, running around the block still. I started training with that probably a month before I ended up getting out to Denver before the year started last year. So just trying to keep in the swing of things, realizing that um, right now it is a little weird, but it's definitely going to end. And we're going to have to get back to normal life soon. So the better you can be prepared to getting back to normal life, I think that's kind of been the mindset I've had. With so many people in isolation, uh, what's a typical day look like for you? Getting adequate rest, um, and then finding a way to work out here in the morning, whether that's me running around, getting my conditioning in, that's me working on some videos that my guys sent me, my chair sent me here in Kansas City, um, and then being able to throw at a local spot around here, maybe even the backyard here at my parents' place sometimes. Um, typically, working out and throwing five times a week, um, giving myself a couple rest days, and you know, staying on top with nutrition and whatnot. I know I talk about my dad's place having a lot of, you know, supplies for me, so to say, to be able to stay pretty healthy. It looks like you, maybe you just got to work out in just a little bit ago, right? Actually, uh, we worked out a little bit this morning, um, keeping our six feet, six feet distance away from everything. And then um, towards the end of the night, I'll sit down for a couple hours, look over the playbook stuff that we've been allowed to, you know, have on our, have on our iPad. So I know it's, been a little different watching Giants film because you know you look forward to be able to start early, get rolling with the new guys. But you know, like I said, it's just a common thing. We're going to figure it out and we're going to find a way to adapt to this. Have you been able to keep in touch with any of your teammates at all? Yeah, uh, Dalton, big time. I saw that he just moved into his new house there in Colorado. He was super excited about that. Caught up with Melvin a little bit, um, talking to him a little bit about Denver lifestyle. I told him that you're going to have one heck of a fan base behind you and. You're going to love what, you know, Broncos country stands for and how supportive they are at all costs. 
um, Kobe Graham a little bit. So yeah, just trying to get into the offensive side a little bit with Philip, Cortland, Deshaun, talking to a lot of people. Uh, have you heard from Vic Fangio, John Elway, any of those guys? I've talked to Vic a couple of times. Me and him had a conversation about the Buffalo Nickel um, on the phone. Yep. Uh, talked about his meatballs that were going out on uh, <laughs> all over social media and just how he's doing at home. Showed me his office, and I'm sure everyone else got to see his office too. I saw that. Just catching up. It's been cool. Me and Vic's relationship is definitely starting to skyrocket here in the last, I don't know, six months or so. Just being able to you know, kind of get on the same page with him. He's learned a little bit about me. I'm learning a little bit about him. It's it's been a positive for sure. Those guys have been busy over there uh, during free agency, adding uh, people like AJ Boye, Jarrell Casey, Melvin Gordon, Graham Glasgow, Jeff Driscoll, Sam Martin. What are your thought about their moves? That's been awesome. I, you know, it's you know, you looked at some things you thought you might want to go explore as far as position wise, and um, I think they're getting the top notch guys in each of those positions. Um, I remember Jarrell in our game. I think it was might have been third and short or fourth and short. And, he pretty much made the tackle underneath one of our offensive linemen's legs, like dove under, underneath him. And I was like, all right. <laughs> we were watching that week, what technique he lined up in. That was a like, great job on the sideline. Looking back on that game and how much of an influence he was, you know, as us as an offense, making sure we knew where he was at, it's pretty excited to have him on our team instead of having to play for him. Uh, how about Melvin Gordon? What do you think he'll be able to bring to the backfield? A two-time Pro Bowler there. Yeah, two-time Pro Bowler. Um, that's going to be a nasty one-two punch with him and uh, him and Phil. I think just being able to have guys that can bounce it like Phil can. I know Melvin can do the same. Good hands out of the backfield. I say good. Great hands out of the backfield. He watched a lot of clips of him catching the ball out of the backfield, which will be big for us. And then being able to pound it on third and short, fourth and short, being able to trust a big, heavy-body guy to go get that first down for us. Um, I think he's also going to be a good teammate guy. Just from when I've been talking to him, uh, a couple of text messages that we had. It seems like we're going to have a pretty good relationship. You think he's going to be good for Phil, too? You mentioned that one-two punch. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Michael needed, you know, Scotty Pippen, right? <laughs> like, we all we all need a little little help here and there. And that would be good for us in the passing game, too. Um, I mean, you talk about guys, double-team in Cortland. Um, you have to load the box with our running backs that we have this year and try to stop our run game, which will help free up Cortland and other guys on the outside. You mentioned uh, talking with Graham Glasgow a little bit, but he seems like an up-and-coming guard in the NFL. How do you think this offensive line is shaping up? Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I know respects to Connor being my Missouri guy. I was upset to see him leave, and I hope he does well in New York. But, you know, with Dalton and Graham up the middle, I mean, I'm going to feel pretty safe with everyone coming up the middle there, without a doubt. Uh, I saw a lot of statistics about Graham and all the snaps he had with quarterback pressures and, um, if I'm sitting here in Kansas City and I see that, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited to have them on my team. And it seems like uh, you and Jeff Driscoll have already hit it off a little bit, but what do you think that quarterback room is going to be like next year? It's going to be awesome. I, I, I've came to notice that, you know, when you get out of college and even high school, everyone's pretty professional at this level. Everyone's looking to help each other out. We know that, you know, we're not, we're not in this forever. We're going to be in it for, for a short time, hopefully a long time, but we're not in it forever. Everyone's been super respectful for me in that quarterback room, whether it was Joe last year and whatnot. But our quarterback room is going to be ready. It's going to be a smart group. Definitely going to push each other. There won't be a day where you get to come in and have a have a low head, low uh, low adrenaline that day. It's going to be a high adrenaline room for sure. I'm excited to be with those guys.
you mentioned that you already had your iPad there, but uh, I know you haven't been able to talk too much football. But what do you think of this uh, offense and some of the concepts for next season? Yeah, you know, just watching the Giants stuff, it's going to be an exciting offense to play. We're going to attack people deep. Um, I think we're going to, but we're going to be smart with how we attack them. Um, I think Coach Shermer's done an awesome job with developing quarterbacks. Same with Coach Shula. Um, it's, again, we're going to be one of those things where you're not going to be able to walk in the room with your head down and not sharp every single day. There's going to be a lot of, uh, not, I wouldn't say pressure, but there's going to be a lot of expectations to come in and be, you know, the leader of this team, perform well, take care of the ball. Um, I, I saw a lot of good things on film when I was watching their games, and I'm just excited to be able to go out there on the field and kind of start repping those plays. You talked to Daniel Jones at all, to, just to get a sense of what it's like? Yeah, when we were actually in Miami for the Super Bowl, I talked to Daniel a little bit. Um, he spoke fairly highly of both of them. They didn't, you know, Shula might get on your butt a little bit, but it's all in, it's all in good nature. Um, now he, he was he spoke very highly of them in the offense that they ran. Uh, before things got shut down and everything, did you ever have a chance to get in the building and meet them at all? Yeah, I got to say what's up and just talk to them a little bit more. I know I got to talk to them a lot um, during the process of you know drafting and whatnot. So I kind of knew them as people, but the more and more I got around them and kind of see who they were as guys, I was looking forward to even more being able to be in the room with them. I think they're going to be awesome for us. Can relate well. Coach Sherman's kid obviously is, is my age, um, and we played against him a couple times, so he understands young guys. He understands you know our mindset and how we learn, and the fastest way for us to you know play confident and play fast. So I'm excited to be able to have him in our room. I saw that you had a chance to uh, interact with Peyton Manning a little bit this off season. Uh, what's his advice been to you, especially during a unique time like this? Yeah, just stay on your routine as best as possible. Um, Go back to the thing I said earlier where, yes, it's a weird time. We're all in lockdown, but know that the season is going to happen. We're going to have to get back in the building. You're going to have to be in top shape. You're going to have to know the offense. You're going to have to be able to go out there and spin it right as you get there. So that was the biggest thing for me is just trying to stay prepared through all this as best I can just to know that it's definitely going to come back and you're going to be there. Be the guy. Be the leader of the team and show you've been working through this. Do you plan to get the wide receivers and tight ends together if, if possible? Yeah, I mean, we had, we had a plan that was going to be end up being the first couple weeks of April, but I don't, I don't know if uh, that would be socially responsible for us to do that right now. Um, depending on how long this goes on, how long they keep us out of the building and whatnot, I'm sure maybe towards the end of this we can all get up maybe a couple weeks before we're all supposed to be back. Um, but as of right now, there's... Not an exact plan to be able to get us on airplanes or drive across the country and, you know, meet up with each other. Uh, a little bit of time has passed now since the end of the season. Uh, how much co more confident do you feel right now heading into your second season? Yeah, I think any time you just get more experience under your belt, you're going to be more confident. Um, I look back on last year and watched those games and saw some bonehead decisions, but also saw some really good things. Obviously, you want to try to duplicate the really good things you've seen, but I think being able to go back, watch that film, take in what I needed to take in from it, and be able to go in this year knowing that I can do it. It's, there's so many what-ifs and, all right, I got to get to this point, and you know, I got to finally step on the field. I got to finally win my first game. Like, I think I've crossed out the you know, couple early check marks of you know, make your first start, get your first win, win your first road game to where I can go in and just be ready for a full season, be fully dedicated to just winning as much games as possible and 
being the best quarterback for this team and helping us win games and hopefully lead us to a championship. You got all those firsts out of the way, so it feels much better. Okay? It feels so much better just to have those little monkeys off your back and not think about all the firsts to where it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's like going into your sophomore year of college because you've got a lot more experience since your sophomore year of college, but it definitely feels better knowing that, you know, I have a solid foundation on what I feel like is my weekly routine, what I need to do to be, you know, the best quarterback on a Sunday. It's crazy that the draft is like a month from now. Do you ever think back to, hey, what was it like during this time last year? I have a couple times. I'm thinking like, all right, I would have just got done with the combine. I would have been back home working out for teams, um, just hoping a couple teams will call and want to come work me out and get on the phone and get on the board. And, and I, it is, as awesome as the whole process was, I they can have it this year. They can have all the board workouts and throwing sessions that they want. I'm glad to, to be on this team I'm on now and hopefully for a long time. Uh, last one for you here, Drew. Uh, do you have a message for Broncos country right now during a difficult time for a lot of people? Yeah, I, I mean, you just got to stay strong. Keep your family close. Keep your friends close. And I also want to acknowledge just how much all the first responders mean to this country right now, especially mean to me. Um, you know, our building's got UC help all over it. And I think it's going to have a different meaning walking into the building after this pandemic and, you know, them risking their lives to, to save others. I, everyone looks at us as heroes, but I think they're the real heroes in this, in this time right now. And I, you know, you can't even speak enough for, for what they've done for us. And again, to Broncos country, stay strong, stay safe, stay smart, and uh, we'll keep fighting this fight together. Well, Drew, uh, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate us uh, letting us check in with you here and stay safe. Yep, you too. Thank you. Drew Locke, uh, a strong message there to close out that interview. Of course, uh, you know, thanking all of the uh, first responders during this time. You know, they're the ones who are really putting their lives at risk to try and help save other people's lives right now. Yeah, and it sounds like Drew has kind of a good perspective on this whole thing. You know, you asked him there, Phil, about um, a throwing session with receivers, and I think he gets that at a certain point that's going to be okay, and right now is probably not that point but uh good to know he's making the best of a uh, a not so great situation down there spending some time yeah, with family i think that you just want to get that leadership from really a guy who's now become the face of the franchise yeah exactly i mean i think that that's important and uh at a certain point we'll get that but right now it sounds like he's still having some conversations with teammates and I liked hearing about that conversation with Vic Fangio in the Buffalo nickel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, Drew uh, said that he's been keeping in touch with everybody, including Vic Fangio, uh, wondering how the conversation got to that point. But, uh, you know, they're talking about meatballs and stuff. So it's nice to hear that their relationship has really taken off. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Drew called and said, Hey, I've got a question about Buffalo's nickel defense. And then Vic was like, Oh, I love Buffalo Nichols. Like, let me tell you this story. <laughs> Vic does always have a, a good story. After so many years in the league and just so much experience, he could just probably pull out a topic about anything. Yeah, he's like, oh, you want to hear a story about a Buffalo Nickel? I got one. <laughs> he, he is a defensive guru, so he's got to know all angles. Exactly. Uh, what were your big takeaways there, though? I... I think that any Broncos fan right now is they can't get enough of hearing Drew Locke's name in association with Peyton Manning. 
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to hear Peyton, or interesting but not surprising to hear Peyton talk about how Drew needed to stay in a routine for the season whenever it gets going. Um, and I think that's a good point because whichever team's able to adapt to these weird circumstances, that could give you a, a two or three game head start. You know, if a team is is trying to figure out how to get back into shape or, you know, completely learn the playbook in week one or week two or week three of, you know, if this is either a shortened off season or if the schedule gets delayed somehow, that's going to have a major impact on who can make the playoffs. So if you can stay in your playbook, stay in shape and be ready to roll whenever you get back to your facility, that's going to give you a leg up. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, Naturally, there were some concerns there for the Broncos because, one, you have a young quarterback who you're hoping makes a big jump from year one to year two. We've seen a lot of great quarterbacks over the years. That's where they really make a big jump, and uh, you had maybe some concerns because this isn't a normal offseason. Will Drew be able to take that jump? And then the other concern is you bring in Pat Shermer, you're going to change the offensive scheme without an offseason program. How will that all mesh together? And I think hearing from Drew, you're com- comforted a little bit that, look, he's working hard. He's not just hanging out on the sofa. He's, you know, consistently finding ways to work out. He's finding ways to uh, make sure that arm doesn't get rusty. And maybe more importantly than that, he's got his iPad. He's been watching Giants film. He's been talking to Daniel Jones like he's finding ways to make sure that he's ready to go. Yeah, and keep in mind, Phil, that during a normal offseason program, you might install the offense once during that phase one. Then when you get on the field for OTAs in phase three, you might install it again. And then when you come back for training camp, you're installing it a third time. And so you've heard each of these concepts again and again, and it's been drilled into your brain over the course of several months you know, assuming that they're just doing these online, you know, sort of meetings until training camp, which to me kind of seems like a best case scenario at this point, you're really going to have one time going through it in person on the field. So, uh, you know, you almost have no room for error in terms of studying it now and anything they do um, that's going to help. And I think you essentially have to do that if you want to be on pace to be ready for week one. Yeah, that muscle memory of just being able to recall things because you've worked on it in practice, that's where it's going to be, you know, you're going to see the biggest difference because teams are so used to just going through repetition after repetition. I think the classroom stuff will be fine just because I'm sure that once the new, uh, once the offseason program like technically gets underway, I'm sure they'll have a lot of conversations and make sure that uh, they're in the playbook together, um, you know, whether it's through a video chat or whatever. But uh, I think that muscle memory is going to be the big thing. Yeah, and, and I think this could have an impact all the way till, you know, training camp where, you know, so we're used to seeing this past year, the first quarterback, the second quarterback, and the third quarterback all got about the same amount of reps. You might be in a place where Drew has to take twice as many reps as he's used to in a training camp practice so that they can go over this stuff. And so this isn't just something that's going to um, impact them in April or May, but it, it could have a carryover to August and September. And I think the Broncos are in a much better position this time around because, one, they know who the guy is, and they, they're they all in on that. Not saying that they didn't know that last year with Joe Flacco, but the difference was that they had a rookie quarterback that they were trying to also get some reps. 
And I don't think that they need to do that this year. There's no uh, Kevin Hogan where they're saying, okay, who's going to be the backup for sure? They know Jeff Driscoll is going to be the backup, and he's been in the league long enough and been through a lot of different systems that he should be able to pick this thing up pretty quickly. So the Broncos just in a much more concrete area when it comes to the quarterback position. So I think that uh, they should be okay there, but I do think it's going to take some time into the preseason where, and again, this is all assuming that there is a training camp and that there is a preseason. Um, that's where you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. Exactly. And that's kind of what I got into a little bit with uh, Lindsey Jones. You know, the NFL has this big idea that everything is going on as scheduled. Um, and Lindsey makes the point, as we'll hear here in just a second, um, that it's easier to plan and then cancel than it is to, you know, pretend that things aren't going to happen and then scramble at the last second. But a lot of nuance goes into this in terms of how the draft is going to work, how the offseason program is going to work, and then uh, eventually the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, one other thing to touch on here with Drew Locke, though, was uh, he talked about, uh, you know, uh, some of the free agent moves that the Broncos made. It seemed like he was pretty hyped about that. Just talking about what he thinks Melvin Gordon is going to be able to bring to that backfield and then also, of course, the addition of Graham Glasgow at right guard, sort of a bookend with Dalton Reisner at left guard. Yeah, it sounds like he's happy with uh, all these moves, and, you know, why wouldn't he be there? They added in free agency um, to give him some weapons. They're probably not done yet. You know, you've still got the draft coming up. So um, I think plenty of good reason for Drew to be as excited as he was in that interview. Yeah. Putting uh, some weapons around him. I'm sure it feels good to know that the Broncos are all in behind him. And uh, now uh, Drew's just got to make sure he stays on top of his, on top of his stuff. But it uh, seems like he is. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, encouraging in a lot of different ways that interview, You know, both in terms of how he's getting ready for the season, uh, some leadership in terms of him reaching out to different guys, and uh, you know, just being ready. It'd be awesome to just uh, be like a neighbor there. And look out your window and you see Drew Locke. He's probably looks a lot like Uncle Rico out there in the backyard just <laughs> zipping it around. You got the stash going or no? <laughs> he did not have the stash going. But maybe if this thing lasts long enough, you could maybe see some of that. <laughs> that would be wild. Drew, uh, I think that after uh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Drew could look like uh, Gardner Minshew a little bit there. But uh since we've dived into a mustache talk, Eric, it probably means that it's time to move on. <laughs> That's normally what that means. Okay, well, let's get to uh, Eric's conversation now with the athletics, Lindsay Jones. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us. Sure, Eric. Thanks for having me. So, Lindsay, I'm interested in hearing about a national conference call um, with the NFL's executive vice president, Jeff Pash, from yesterday. A lot of stuff was going in on that. Um, one of the big topics was how the NFL draft might happen virtually. What were your takeaways about that? Yeah, so there was, you know, it was, a, it was about a 30 minute long conference call and it was Jeff Pash, who's the NFL's general counsel, um, and then several other of their executive vice presidents, um, Troy Vincent, who's in charge of uh, football operations, um, Brian Rolap, who oversees, um, a lot of the business stuff and Peter O'Reilly who oversees the events like the draft. So they were kind of, you know, we're announcing some, um, 
things that were passed by the owners on Tuesday, but then also kind of talking about plans for the short term and long term while we're while everybody is kind of negotiating this, uh, you know, global pandemic. And yeah, so we, you know, we got a little bit more details about the stuff that's kind of coming up immediately on the schedule. So the draft is the first thing we already knew that everything in Las Vegas was canceled. So they're really moving ahead with trying to make this like a, a, a made for television event. And the words that they kept using, they're kind of describing it as a hub and spoke model where the hub is basically going to be Roger Goodell, wherever he is working from, whether that's his house, like in the suburbs of New York city, if that's where he has to be, if he's able to go um, into the NFL league offices in downtown New York. Um, But so there'll kind of be a hub where the picks are coming in and then the spokes are um, a lot of spokes. So there's going to be the 32 team locations and that's all still really up in the air now what those team locations are going to be. And then there's also going to be spokes that go to about 50 draft prospects. Um, these are mostly the guys who had been invited to Las Vegas um, and who obviously are now no longer going to Las Vegas. But so basically what the NFL is doing is that they're sending them um, like a phone, um, which is all going to be sponsored, you know, so they're going to get like a brand new, I think Verizon, I think Verizon is the NFL partner. Um, so they're going to get a phone and a tripod so that they can set up, um, you know, get connected over Wi-Fi and kind of be able to broadcast live you know, into the NFL hub, wherever that is for the picks. Um, still, they're still working out some of the other logistics in terms of like, you know, getting the players hats. Um, you know, I don't know if each of those guys is going to get 32 hats or how exactly that's going to work, but they're working on some of these logistics so that we can have some of the familiarity where the guy gets, you know, he's not going to get his Jersey right away, but to have some of that feel of like you're representing your new team um, when your name gets called. Um, they're also working on some things with trying to connect to, you know, some probably diehard fans who will be doing similar, you know, broadcasts from their living rooms or their man caves or wherever it is that they have all their memorabilia to kind of cheer for their teams. And um, I think they're going to try to get former players involved as well, but it is, it's going to be a good TV event. You know, that's the big thing that they're really working on right now is it's still going to be on ESPN, on ABC, on NFL network. Um, So, you know, it's going to be something that, you know, we're all stuck at home. We can all take a break from Tiger King um, and watch, you know, three full days of the NFL draft. Right. And it does sound like they're going to hold it over just those three days. I know it had been brought up as an idea at one time that maybe they spread it out over seven days. Yeah, uh, I think it was Adam Schefter who kind of floated that idea. And, you know, look, the NFL is... They're good at a lot of things. One of the things they're very good at is dominating the news cycle, and there's nothing else happening live right now, so why not try to extend it, you know, seven rounds, seven days? I don't know. Um, but, in, you know, they're kind of keeping the format together as much as possible. They are experimenting and figuring out ways that they may have to change the structure a little bit um, just for one year because there's going to be so much uncertainty with, you know, trying to potentially work from home. And, um, you know, I was on the conference call with John Elway yesterday and Vic Fangio, and, you know, they were asked and were talking a little bit about some of the challenges here, especially with things like trade, you know, pulling off trades. Because usually, you know, they're in a in kind of in a war room where there's, you know, 20, 20 personnel people there, and they have, you know, 20 phones, all these different landlines. Everybody has their cell phones. Multiple people are on the phone with multiple teams working on trade scenarios. And now it could be, you know, John Elway could be at his house by himself in, you know, Cherry Hills. And Matt Russell could be at his house. And, you know, 
you know, it, there's going to be a lot of communication and trying to figure out how that is all going to work. So one of the things that the NFL is talking about is potentially adding an option that a team, if they're in the middle of the trade talks and they need more time, they can kind of press like a button and say, I need two more minutes and you get one time that you can do that. So you're not going to be able to do be able to do that throughout the draft. Um, you know, I think that there's going to have to be a little bit more maybe gray supply, a little bit more patience, especially in the later rounds of the draft when the rounds are so short. And that's when a lot of the trades are happening as they figure out how to make this all work. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think we also saw that maybe teams could be allowed to have a hub somewhere with 10 or fewer people in a room as long as they're properly social distancing. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Do you yeah. Do you see I any other? The... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, when they, the, the things about having these hubs with 10 or fewer people. So one of the things that the league is trying to figure out right now is how to maintain kind of competitive balance, knowing that there is not one standard across the country right now of what policies in place in terms of like sheltering at home and what rules are in place where, you know, here in Colorado, we have a statewide shelter at home, you know, no groups, you know, no large groups, you know, you're not supposed to go to the house of somebody that you're not related to, you know, I'm not going you know, my daughter's not going to visit her grandparents right now, you know, you're not, you're basically supposed to be with your immediate household and that's it. So if that is still in place, um, during the draft, and I believe Governor Polis has extended Denver, the city of Denver's order, at least until, um, or Mayor Hancock has extended Denver's order until April 30th, then, you know, Colorado is under some pretty strict rules there. Um, you know, the rules right now in Arizona are not as strict, and the rules in Florida are not as strict. So I believe what the league is trying to figure out is that they're going to have to make it even across the league. And whatever place has, like, the most stringent you know, shelter in place, stay at home rules in place. That's probably what the entire league is going to have to abide by. And from that competitive advantage standpoint, um, I think we kind of expect to see the same thing from the off season program, which has yes. been delayed indefinitely. We heard Vic talk yesterday and, and Elway talk about how maybe, you know, they're going to send out these, these tablets and have video conferencing in order to teach these players, the offense or the defense. How effective do you think that can be and how much of an impact do you think will, that'll have come the fall when hopefully there's a season? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think they're going to do the best they can. And from like a learning perspective, I think they'll be able to, you know, get some stuff done, you know, in terms of holding meetings. And, you know, I think we're all, you know, in our, in our jobs right now, no matter what field you're in, we're doing a lot of Zoom and kind of distance meetings with our, with our coworkers. And, you know, I think they'll be able to figure out ways that, you know, Pat Shermer can be on Zoom with Drew Locke and the entire, you know, and the rest of the quarterbacks in the offensive room, you know, going through install and going over plays and sending them parts of the playbook and going over all the stuff that normally would happen in meetings. I think they'll be able to accomplish the meeting portion of the offseason, not quite as well, but, you know, I think they'll be able to get a lot of that done. I think the really, the part that I don't know exactly how it's going to work yet is when they do, you know, workouts. You know, I think, you know, Lauren Landau is going to be able to send all 90 guys on the offseason on the roster, like personalized workouts, you know, they're going to have that in terms of like conditioning work and they'll be able to keep really good tabs on what every guy is doing individually in terms of, Hey, here's how much you need to run today. Here's what you need to lift. You know, you know, here's how you should be weighing, you know, here's what you need to be eating nutrition plans, all that stuff. Although it's really going to be up to guys to do it on their own. Um, you know, and then the one other thing that's going to be, that's a little challenging with these workouts is that, you know, guys are mostly going to be reliant on their home gyms. You know, it's not like they can go to 
24 hour fitness or whatever and work out like they're really kind of stuck to what you have at your house and if you're von miller i bet you have a really sweet home gym setup <laughs> if you're an undrafted you know your guy coming off of your your rookie year who was undrafted last year maybe you're on a minimum contract maybe you don't have that much stuff you know maybe you're living at home with your parents right now or you're quarantined somewhere that you weren't expected to be and maybe all you have is a couple set of dumbbells and some bands so the challenge for these strength and conditioning staffs now i think is going to be putting together workout plans that everybody can do with whatever equipment it is that they have and they they did not give any indication lindsay that the off of a date when guys might be allowed back for these off-season programs yeah no i mean it's really just kind of it's, it's totally up in the air right now i mean i think they're you know, they're, they're planning, they, they haven't said that the off-season program is canceled. I think because they're trying to figure out how much of it that they can do virtually. And I think they're preparing for the fact that it's going to have to be all done virtually. But when you kind of look around, you know, everything that's going on in the country right now, and actually, and, you know, across the world, things are being canceled, you know, all the way through the summer. I mean, just today, Wimbledon, which is held in late June and into July was canceled. Uh, You know, the Olympics have already been postponed a year. So, you know, I think the reality is is that nobody knows when this is going to calm down enough um, to really have dates on when anything is going to be able to resume. Um, and then when they're, you know, when this does subside, you know, at, at what point will they be able to start resuming some normalcy? Is that just letting small groups of people back into the building? What is the testing protocol going to be? Um, will there be enough tests that every single person and player is going to be able to be screened and cleared before they're allowed back in a building? That's something that they're all having to work through right now. And, you know, obviously our country right now doesn't have the testing capabilities to just test anybody you know, if we don't just have kind of universal screening, you know, I think that would help a lot of places. And actually, Jeff Pash mentioned that on the call that this NFL executive conference call yesterday, he mentioned that they don't want to be overly, you know, burdensome in terms of like over testing, because understanding that, you know, right now, the tests are really needed in our hospitals and um, for millions of Americans that are suffering, and they don't want to kind of you know, use their power as the biggest professional sports league to kind of take over testing for, you know, when, when there's so many other people that need it. So there's just a lot that they're having to figure out and deal with right now. And, um, you know, so I think for the short term, they're going to be able to get some stuff done. But in terms of anything on the field, it's really just on hold indefinitely. Yeah, and obviously there are much bigger things going on, um, like you mentioned, kind of the health of these millions of Americans, uh, far more important than us getting back in the building in the short term. But what was your sense of the overall mood or confidence level of the league that the season is going to start on time? And where do you kind of fall on that in terms of, you know, early September, they're going to kick off? Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that was the message that was coming out from all of these executives and from the league office is that they're planning to kick off on time in September um, and play a full slate of 16 regular season games. They're planning to move forward, you know, to have their expanded field of playoffs this year. Um, You know, they say that they are looking at, you know, they're talking to health officials and public health officials and um, looking at the models from other countries that were, you know, ahead of the United States in terms of when the, the virus hit and believe that things will be okay enough that they can play in September. Um, you know, to me, it felt that messaging felt a little disjointed with all the other news that's going on. You know, this, this call kind of happened about the same time as the 
you know, the daily White House briefing where they were talking about how, you know, there might be more than 100,000 to 250,000 deaths from this. And so it just felt a little disjointed to talk about, yeah, we're going to be able to play football as normal in full stadiums with fans. And um, while we're kind of really still dealing with this such big unknown, um, you know, and it, you know, I get that they want to project optimism and that the NFL is in a unique position right now in sports where they're basically the only league that hasn't had to cancel anything substantial yet. I mean, so far, the only thing that's been missed is the owners meetings. You know, they're, they're going to delay or postpone, obviously the start of the, you know, of OTAs, but we already talked about how they can kind of do this, some of this virtually. Um, but so they can kind of talk about how, you know, they can kind of express this optimism. And, you know, to me, it felt like it was somewhat coming from like a business standpoint in that, you know, this messaging was saying, yes, like we're going to play, you know, renew your season tickets or pay your season tickets. Um, advertisers will still be there and you're going to want to um, spend your money with us, their sponsors, the TV partners. I mean, part of this deal yesterday was that they, you know, officially approved the expanded playoffs, which comes with two more games that they've sold to NBC and CBS. Um, so I'm sure that was, you know, probably nine figures. And they want to, you know, so they, it felt to me like there was a lot of business messaging in there, too, that um, some business can proceed as normal um, eventually with the sports proceeding as normal. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see, you know, how these games take place. Um, if the season gets postponed, if the preseason's impacted, when training camp starts, if they play games in empty stadiums, all, all this stuff um, will be interesting to monitor over the coming weeks. Lindsay, did they give any indication of when that next update might come on, you know, when they'll have more information? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, you know, the next thing that was kind of, well, the next thing's on the calendar, it's obviously the start of the offseason program, and then the draft, and then they pushed most of the stuff from the NFL owners meetings that was actually supposed to be wrapping up today in Palm Beach. Um, they pushed that to a May meeting. I have a hard time believing that that May meeting will actually happen, um, or at least would happen in person. That might become another virtual meeting. So I expect that once kind of the owners are back for that May meeting, whether that's, you know, on conference calls or you know, I'd love to, the, 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 the picture to me of like all 32 owners on a Zoom call is kind of a funny <laughs> image. We've got like, you know, we've got like uh, some, some uh, very elderly owners <laughs> around there. You know, I think Jed York maybe could like take the lead. He's probably the, the youngest, most technologically savvy owner we have. But, um, you know, I think that's, you know, maybe we get through the draft and then maybe we'll have a little bit more update on the the long-term stuff, but, you know, really this is all just changing day by day and it's hard to, you know, make too many long-term plans. So I get why the NFL wants to plan as if the season is going to happen because it would be easier to then cancel things than to preemptively cancel stuff and then have to scramble um, in coming weeks. But we're going to, we're going to have a lot more normal stuff coming up. We're still going to have the draft. They're going to have the schedule release. Um, that's going to be on or before May 9th, a little bit later than normal, but that's still going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's all just kind of wait and see mode and they're trying to be very cautious. I think I'm putting any specific timelines of when it was, when it is that they would have to cancel stuff. You know, I imagine that they will take it as long as they can, um, before they have to make any real specific decisions about the regular season. Right. And it sounds like from the latest um, health updates we've been getting, it could still be two or three weeks before this curve kind of hits its peak. So hopefully we'll know more um, shortly. You did mention the schedule, 
Lindsay, and I think they announced that they plan to proceed as scheduled with international games. The Broncos are rumored, not official yet, to that they'll be going to London to play the Falcons. What's kind of the thought there of, of still, you know, proceeding with those as normal? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that struck me as kind of odd on the call yesterday is that they said yes, that they're you know planning to proceed with those games. So it's four games in London um, and one game in Mexico City. And, you know, I think one, you know, the UK is locking down for a very long time. You know, I think there's it, it's one thing to kind of be dealing with stuff domestically. But now when you work on international games, you're having to deal with international travel and international security and different testing protocols and um you know, I I guess good for them for believing that those games can happen as normal. And maybe it's kind of like I mentioned, it's one of those things where you plan for it to happen. And if they can't happen because of travel restrictions or whatever it is that might be going on internationally, you know, those just become then, I guess, home games, you know, in, in the United States. It's maybe not that difficult to just change that location with those games from, you know, a, a neutral site game to, you know, a home game. So if it is, you know, Broncos Falcons, you know, I guess that game would could potentially happen in Atlanta instead of in uh, at Wembley Stadium or whichever stadium it was going to be at in London. So it, it, it struck me as a little odd that they were so confident that they could do international games. But, you know, I think they're really trying to proceed with this as a, you know, they're the one entity that's trying to proceed as, you know, business as usual and that everything is going to be fine and until they're very much their hand is forced to admit that it's not. Right. And, um, yeah, so a lot to take away there from that conference call. Anything else that stood out to you there? Um, no, I mean, I think it was a lot of stuff that we, you know, we were kind of expecting in terms of the, uh, the playoff expansion, um, you know, the draft, the offseason program, you know, I guess it was just really the, you know, the, the messaging of it, that they're so out of it that they believe that they can play a full 16 game season. And we're not hearing the same stuff from other leagues right now. And, you know, all those other leagues are kind of suspended, but, you know, we're not hearing major league baseball talk about how, you know, they, they, they believe that they'll be able to play a world series in a full, you know, full second half of the season or anything like that. So, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're optimistic and they want their fans to be optimistic. They want to be a sense of normalcy when everything, else going on in the country and in the world right now is so abnormal and you know I guess I can appreciate that um but you know as a as a news reporter and as a journalist you know you're always kind of looking for some you know real answers and dates and timelines and all that stuff and they just weren't able to really provide that yet and you know that's because I just don't think anybody really has the answers right and if I were an NFL fan right now I'd be kind of paying close attention to what these other sports leagues are doing because if the NBA does return if Major League Baseball returns I do think that makes it easier then for the Broncos and the NFL to get back on the field yeah I mean I think some of these other leagues you know they might be able to provide some you know some guidance about you know because we have questions about like if they do open resume play yeah is it going to be in empty stadiums if they're going to let fans in how are you know our fans going to be screened um how do they ensure that not just their own players and coaches and um, staff are safe, but how, how do we ensure that, that fans would be safe as well? And those are just a lot of things that I don't think anybody really under, knows how that's going to work yet. And we'll see if the NFL ends up being a leader on that or if one of these other sports leagues is kind of able to navigate it first. 
Lindsay, last thing for you before we let you go. I know you uh, kind of help run the athletics power rankings during the season on the NFL and lots of fun gifts there uh, if fans haven't checked those out. With all the Broncos have done in the offseason, trading for A.J. Boye and Jarrell Casey, signing Graham Glasgow and Melvin Gordon, and obviously have that 15th overall pick and five top 100 selections, where do you kind of see them fitting in, and do you think they can challenge for a playoff spot this coming season, assuming yeah. it happens? Well, thanks for um, uh, mentioning our power rankings. We're actually going to have a new post-free agency power rankings coming out um, on Thursday uh, on April 2nd. So um, I will give you a little spoiler here. I'm actually going to scroll through the file and double-check right now. Um, I believe the Broncos are kind of right about where they ended last season, um, early 20s. Actually, no, they've actually fallen back. I was a little surprised about that. Um, they ended the regular season at 17th in our rankings, and this week after free agency, they're at number 22. I think, um, and that's, you know, I didn't just vote on this. You know, we had our whole staff vote. I had them a little bit higher. I believe I had them um, 18th or around 18 or so. Um you know, and I think a large part of that's just because there were some other teams that were maybe a lot more active and moved up a little bit more. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, talking to people at the Combine, especially the last time that we were kind of all around, you know, league people is that, you know, there's there's a sense that there's a lot more stability with the Broncos this year. Um, I think the fact that they know who their quarterback is going to be is huge. And for once, you know, the first time in as long as any of us can remember, you know, we're not talking about who the starting quarterback is going to be right now. And having that sort of stability is huge. So, um, you know, I, you know, personally, I liked a lot of the offseason plan. You know, I liked the, what them, all the moves that they made on the defensive line, you know, from a media standpoint, I don't love losing Chris Harris jr. I mean, he was the, consistently one of the best guys to deal with because he was honest and candid and always available. Uh, but I do understand, I guess, the football decision there to get a little bit younger uh, and, and they let him go. It'll be really, really fun to watch him twice a year playing the Broncos now that he's with the Chargers. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of still kind of that middle of the pack team. But I, you know, I think in terms of the playoff potential, I think they're one of those teams that's really going to benefit from an expanded playoff field because I don't think it's realistic to expect the Broncos to be an AFC West favorite this year. I mean, the Chiefs are just, they're still pretty stacked. They've got the best quarterback in the NFL, and they're going to be the favorite in the AFC for a long time, I think, as long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. You know, I don't know if it's going to kind of be like the, the new Patriots where we're always just going to be talking about the Chiefs. So the fact that there's now going to be another wild card team is going to be huge for the Broncos. And, you know, it you know, improve a couple wins, get up to nine wins, and you're right there in the wild card mix. And I think that absolutely, um, that absolutely could happen. Well, we might have to revoke the plug to go check out the power rankings since the Broncos <laughs> have fallen. Well, feel free to read it. Come complain in the uh, in the comments. That will be fine. Um, I think we have. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun picking horse gifts every week, um, and we kind of have one. We have a fun, fun new horse gift uh, in there now for the Broncos fans. So come and complain. That's the fun part about power rankings, but everybody kind of has their own opinions on it. And uh, especially this time of year, like we're not going to know who's right until – who knows when? Hopefully September, but who knows when? You know, when we're doing the regular season ones, you know, you can kind of tell week after week as teams win and lose and move up and down. And now we're really kind of just projecting based on, you know, moves that have happened and, you know, some contracts that have been signed. 
Well, Lindsay, thank you for uh, that insight there on the NFL's conference call. Lots of good stuff on the offseason program, the NFL draft, schedule release, and kind of the overall mood. And then, of course, uh, a little bit of insight there on the Broncos. Uh, you can follow Lindsay Jones on Twitter at ByLindsayHJones and uh, does some great work for The Athletic. So thank you, Lindsay, for your time. Thanks for having me, Eric. Hope everyone is staying uh, safe and sane. So yeah, Phil, uh, you heard there in my conversation with Lindsay, we wrapped up by talking about the Broncos and what they could achieve this year. Uh, just like us, she sounds excited about Drew, but I think the the more important news from kind of the national perspective there is that everything, you know, it seems like it's on schedule. And to me, the most interesting part is that the international games still seem poised to go on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we heard Vic Fangio talk about the Broncos potentially having that game in London against the Atlanta Falcons. Eric, from my perspective, it seems like it doesn't really matter if you're talking about New York city, if you're talking about Los Angeles or you're talking about London, Right now, at least, it seems like all of these places are being affected by the coronavirus. So, you know, I understand why the the NFL wants to move forward, uh, hopefully trying to continue as usual with by playing a, a game overseas. My, my question is, uh, you know, with the schedule release, when that comes out, you get so much optimism about the next season and you from a fan's perspective, start to book travel. Maybe you look at some hotels, you get excited about, you know, what the official dates are going to be. It'll be interesting when the schedule comes out to just see where we are as a country, because I don't think anybody right now is necessarily thinking about, I want to book travel and go to a stadium full of 70,000 people. Yeah. And we're still a month out, um, probably from the schedule being released it does seem hard uh, in the course of four weeks to, to see things changing enough that we're going to be back to normal by then, certainly. But maybe things are looking up, cases are starting to go down, and um, you know we've at least got a point on the horizon where we think, okay, sports can be played again, and they're going to start in empty stadiums or you know whatever the strategy might be. But I do think, um, as we just heard from Lindsay, that after the NFL draft and then sometime in May when these owners are supposed to meet again, um, that could be a point where we start to get some indication of is August a realistic timeline for training camp? Is September still a realistic starting date for the regular season? Um, but, you know, based on what we're seeing from other countries, it, it might not be. So uh, really interesting to see. I think these next four, five, six weeks are really critical in terms of the NFL starting on time. Yeah, and the, the one nice thing is right now while there are are no sports to watch on television. The NFL has continued on with the off season and it has been a nice um, distraction, at least for a lot of people where instead of uh, reading just about, you know, uh, news about how people are dying and how, uh, you know, terrible things are, it's been a nice distraction to be able to read about free agency news, read about some trades and just, uh, have some sense of normalcy at this time of year. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, as Lindsay talked about, they're going to try to do that with the draft. They're still going to try to get these hats to different prospects. They're sending out 50 different phones to these guys so that, you know, say uh, uh, Joe Burrow gets picked number one, he's still able to put that Bengals hat on and, you know, do an interview. And, you know, it'll be as close as we can get it to being normal. And I think in some ways that's appreciated because, 
you know, you want to be safe and you want to stay inside and those things are critically important, but we do need a distraction. So um, as long as it can be done in a safe manner, I think continuing on with the draft isn't an issue. Yeah. And it, it certainly seems like the NFL is heading that direction. Plus we heard from John Elway and Vic Fangio this week. They said that they're pretty much on schedule right now in terms of draft prep and, uh, you know, you got to see inside Vic Fangio's house a little bit this week. He's got a video set up just like if he was in his office at the facility. And uh, in his mind, really the only area that could get tricky is if they're not allowed to have some of the top decision makers in the same room while staying a safe distance apart, but being able to at least communicate in person because things could get a little bit tricky when a team is on the clock and you're trying to negotiate maybe a trade. It'll be interesting to see how certain teams handle this while trying to stay safe. Yeah, and as we heard from Lindsay there, I think the league is talking through some of those situations where, hey, maybe you get a one-time extension to your time on the clock so that you can uh, you know, finalize that trade if you're trying to move up or move back. Um, so they are working through those things. I think teams are able to raise concerns um, internally, you know, to be able to figure out what's the best way to go about some of this stuff. So I do have confidence that they'll be able to work it out, but there might be a few kinks to get through before we get to April 23rd. Technology is amazing, huh? Yeah, you would never be able to do this. <laughs> We'd be like, Phil, Phil, it's your turn to pick. And you'd be like, hello? Uh, uh, can you guys hear me on this thing? <laughs> it would not be good. It'll be interesting to just, just see how – Things are uh, are going here over the next month to see how prep goes because it seemed like just hearing from John Elway, all the work is done. They seem to think that by having the coaches not go to the combine that they had a, a, a head start on breaking down some of this tape. And then, uh, yeah, doing uh, some of these uh, visits with players just over video conference. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. They uh, reportedly have one scheduled with Matt Hennessy from Temple coming up. So uh, certainly they're doing their due diligence. Um, but, Phil, I'm, I'm a little worried. The Broncos pick at 15. The Oakland Raiders have the 12th pick. That might uh, impact them a little bit. And the, the Raiders might be in the market for a wide receiver too, so that could really shake things up. I heard uh, Vic Fangio say at 15 – you really don't know who's going to be available there just because those 14 picks ahead of you can really go any direction. So, yeah, the Raiders are going to be a team to uh, really keep an eye on. Exactly, and I uh, caught up with Vic Tiefer of The Athletic to ask him what might the Raiders do with that 12th overall pick and to find out about that quarterback competition we've alluded to. Vic, thanks for joining us. No problem. Vic, starting off here, I think the question on everyone's mind is what's going to happen at the quarterback position for the Raiders? Marcus Mariota signed there recently. Uh, is Derek Carr going to be the guy this season, or is there a chance we see Mariota at some point? I think Derek's definitely the guy going in. I think it would be tough for anyone to come in with no you know, offseason program, if that's what it amounts to be. But I think Derek's you know, being his third year in the system, I think um, – they're looking to improve the roster around him. They need to have a receiver in the draft. But I think the plan is right now, he'll be the guy uh, into camp. And then Marcus's contract is such that he has a chance if he can compete at some, at some point push Derek then. There's a lot of incentives in that contract that would pay him really well if he could win that starting job at some point. 
How much of, you know, how much wiggle room do you think Derek has um, before they decide to make that change? That's a good question. I don't really know. I think, uh, if you look at last year, he's my other lost his job at Tannehill in week six, I want to say. So maybe something like that. I think, I think they'll have a good enough um, amount of rope. I think they want to see Derek, you know, keep improving. And he made some strides last year. I know they had a, a bad year, but in terms of overall the offense, but some strides as far as making the plays you know, out of the pocket that they wanted to see, extending plays with feet. I think he has the arm talent and obviously the, the intelligence. So I think, um, you know, they can improve the receiver position and, and they can give him a real chance to prove what he can do. The uh, the Raiders' biggest moves in free agency came at the linebacker position, signing Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. Vic, how big of an impact do you think those guys can make in year one, and how does that change the, the makeup of the defense? Yeah, it's going to be huge. They have had uh, linebacker problems for uh, a long time. I've been doing this front for them for 10 years, covering the team, and there's definitely the best linebackers they've had since I've been here, probably before that. I mean, uh, the last time I really addressed the position was um, – 2010, I drafted Ronald McClain in the first round. That didn't work out very well, as we all know. So I think um, Littleton can cover and, and blitz. Little Kim Kwiatkowski, those guys are going to play, ideally, both three down linebackers, which are a big for them. So they'll, they'll nickel a lot. So really, you only need two linebackers to play most of the time. So they're very excited. I think you watch the tape, and they can see why both those guys make plays. And then offensively, uh, Jason Witten, Nelson Aguilar, how much do you think they can reasonably count on those guys to – to make plays on a on a consistent basis. Yeah, I don't want to get the Witten one. The Witten one to me is weird. I know he's a great leader and he's a Hall of Fame guy, but I mean, the tight end room was their best room last year. And they have Darren Waller and Foster Monroe, the rookie last year, had a good year. And Derek Carrier is a very solid vet. So I think that's purely a leadership type um, signing. I think it'll probably be a factor in the red zone, but I don't know how much impact there is to, to be had with him, really. So Magdalar is a guy who was a great price tag. I mean, took a million dollars. He's a veteran guy, been around. Gruden loves veteran, veteran receivers. So I think it takes um, a little, little tiny bit of pressure off this draft. You don't need two guys. You can probably just get one. Vic, a lot of the times when we see teams make this many free agent moves, especially the splash signings that the Raiders did, it's because the team feels like they're close to competing. Do you get that sense with the Raiders, or is this to make a splash as they're moving to Vegas, or is there something else behind it? I think they're getting closer. I think they look at last year, they had a good first half of the year. They, they loved the rookie class last year. They had some impact guys, like five, six guys with impact last year who are rookies. So definitely a young foundation they want to build on. I think they definitely have needs, a lot of needs in defense, as we know, and also at receivers. But definitely they plug some of those on defense. Like they need to get a cornerback in this draft and um, maybe a safety, and we mentioned the receiver. But definitely you look at the holes they had before free agency, there's definitely a lot less of them now. Yeah, at that number 12 position, do you think they're more likely to go cornerback or to pick one of those top three receivers in that position? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a good chance that all three of those top guys will be there, and Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs. That would be a tough choice, I think. I'm not sure if they like better of those three or if they want to wait till 19 and, and get the best defensive guy available if it's a cornerback. So I think it really can't go wrong. I think you can always even trade down if you want to, but there's a lot of options there. I think... Um, it works to their advantage because you know, all the quarterbacks and um, tackles are going to go high. They don't need those positions in the draft. So I think that uh, some guys may fall back to them, but they will be excited to see. Have you gotten a sense that, obviously, the draft was supposed to be in Las Vegas, and that's not the case anymore. Have you gotten a sense that anyone in the organization is disappointed? Or, or I guess what's the reaction that that's had to be moved because of the coronavirus? 
Yeah, I'm sure there's a tiny bit of disappointment because so much planning had gone on. They were planning, you know, the Bellagio and the fountains and boats in the water. They lot the whole city was behind it. A lot of money has been spent on these plants. So obviously it's a little bit disappointing. But you look at the overall big picture, it's totally understandable. I think everyone's um understands why having moved, why you can have a you know, half my people in the streets of Las Vegas for a draft. So I think everyone gets it. Um, I think everyone's just focused on, you know, staying safe and making sure that we get to this as a country. And then, Vic, last one for you. Just curious, uh, Oakland was obviously their last game as Oakland Raiders out in Denver in Week 17. What were your impressions of uh, of Drew Locke? Yeah, he's brilliant. I thought he was. I'll say that. Going to the draft, I saw the senior ball last year. I wasn't terribly impressed, but uh, I can see why I like him. Definitely, uh, he's um, makes plays and he's uh, athletic and he's a smart guy. So I can see why he's a guy they want to build with. Awesome. Well, that's uh, Vic Tafer from the Athletic. Vic, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Yeah, and that was my conversation with Vic Tafer, the athletic. Uh, Phil, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he thought Derek Carr is going to have, you know, kind of a long leash there at quarterback, maybe um, about the same that Ryan Tan, or excuse me, that Mariota got in Tennessee before Ryan Tannehill took over. So depending on when the Broncos play the Raiders for the first time, if it's a backloaded division schedule, uh, it's possible the Broncos could never see Derek Carr next year. You know, Derek Carr is such an interesting story to me just because when he first got to Oakland, he was really good. And he was just on a on an upward trajectory where you thought that this guy was going to be a serious problem for the Broncos for a long time. And, you know, they've had some coaching changes there. Now he's with John Gruden, and you thought that, okay, this was going to spark him again. And you haven't really seen him take a major jump in his level of play you know, uh, he beat the Broncos in that opening game last year, but then in the season finale, the Raiders heading into that matchup still had the playoffs on the line, and he was not able to get the job done in Denver. Uh, I think that you don't go out as an organization and pick up a former number two overall pick and a guy who's played in this league a long time unless you want to send a message. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, prior to that, it wouldn't have surprised me if they had drafted somebody. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. But, I mean, they were rumored to be in the Tom Brady sweepstakes. So it's quite clear they want an upgrade or at least better play from Derek. Um, And it is odd because I think it was back in 2016, they looked like a really good team. And then it just kind of fell apart really quickly. Um, And that's... that's when Carr broke his uh, leg there in that final game of the season. And then ever since then, the Raiders haven't been quite the same, and neither has Derek Carr. Yeah, and I'm not sure you know what John Gruden's plan is for Marcus Mariota, um, but certainly something has to change with him if he's going to replace Carr because the version, you know, Mariota played his final game of the season against, or started rather, because I think he did get in a little bit, but... Um, the last game that he really played was against the Broncos, and he, I mean, so he was just awful. Yeah, the Broncos' uh, defense gave him a lot of trouble, but similar to Carr, Mariota was once on a really upward trajectory for his career, and things kind of level off for him too. But we know what both of these guys are capable of. I mean, Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself in the playoffs. I know that's your favorite play of all time. Oh, one of them, yeah. I mean, it was just an incredible uh, athletic feat. So, uh, you know, plus I got to cover Mariota a little bit in Oregon. So 
uh, I do tend to root for him. Former Heisman Trophy winner. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how things play out in, in Las Vegas. That's going to take some time to get used to saying, huh? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, hopefully the season isn't delayed because I'm ready to go see that stadium. Uh, <laughs> it'll be pretty cool. But I, I do think one thing, Phil, as we kind of now consider the AFC West, um, and we've now heard from reporters who cover the Chiefs and, and Raiders, and we'll hear soon from a Chargers reporter. But, you know, I think at this point, you could argue that the Broncos have the second best quarterback in the division, um, you know, with Drew Locke, because I think, you know, certainly I'd take him above Tyrod Taylor. And I think it's it's not a stretch to say that, you know, this year he could be better than Derek Carr. And so suddenly that puts you into the conversation where um, it becomes more likely than not that you're going to win some of these division games, that you're going to be competitive in a lot of other ones. And you don't have to kind of figure out how do we win in spite of the quarterback rather than having a guy that can get it done for you. Yeah. And, you know, Drew Locke enters the offseason with a lot of momentum after finishing the season four and one. So at this moment, yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, heading into next season, the Broncos, you know, do have the second best quarterback in this division. Eric, with some of the moves that the Raiders made this offseason and some of the additions that the Chargers made, you could make an argument that this is the best division in football. Yeah, I definitely think so. Obviously, it's going to you know, kind of depend on how it translates to the field. Um, I think the NFC North is still good. The NFC South could be interesting. Um, you know, it looks like the Panthers are kind of tanking there, but Tampa's improved. Atlanta made a run late in the year, and then you've got Drew Brees in New Orleans. But uh, certainly I think you could make the argument that the AFC West might be the best, certainly the best division in the AFC. Um, and so that's why the Broncos are going to have to win the home games. You're going to have to capitalize against these out-of-division opponents. And then really, Phil, I think if you want to seriously contend for the division, you might have to sweep the Chargers and Raiders, um, you know, just to have a chance at getting the division title. Yeah, uh, especially, you know, with uh, the Chiefs. But the one thing to note about the Chiefs is when you're the super defending Super Bowl champion, you got a target on your back every single week. That's a huge game for whatever opponent you're playing. So, uh, you know, it's tough to... Uh, What's there's some stat about you know the Super Bowl champion returning to the playoffs the next year if they're not the New England Patriots. So yeah, exactly. Not not easy to do. It'd be nice if like uh, Ben Swanson was on right now because he'd probably be able to pull that stat. But he's always he's always very fast with the stats. You know, we never have to ask twice or no wait wait a super long time. He just has to put down the paintbrush and then. Uh, he just zips up a stat like that. But, yeah, Eric, I think that uh, sweeping both the Raiders and the Chargers is not going to be easy, um, especially not the Raiders because they've, they've uh, made some considerable upgrades all around their roster. John Gruden heading into year three there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw them take a major leap this year, and especially maybe you get a little bit of a boost playing in a new stadium. Mm. It's possible. You think? Um, I'm, I'm a little more worried about the Chargers, to be honest. Chargers' defense is going to be really good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll dive into uh, what's going on with the Chargers offseason in a different episode. But, yeah, Eric, uh, uh, have we hit that point in the show where it's time to do some shout-outs and that kind of thing? I think so. Uh, what do you got? Of course, uh, shout-out Liz Manis. 
Naturally, yeah. Naturally. Uh, the Broncos have done a, a considerable amount of work. A lot of uh, donations have been made, and it's nice to see uh, so, so many of the Broncos' leaders really step up during this time. Um, I can't really think of anything specifically, though, that Liz has done. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, maybe she could do a little more. You think maybe she could donate... I don't know what, based off of her salary, you would think at maybe at least one hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, they do compensate the community quite well, I believe. Yeah, she should at least be. I just, uh, I'm waiting for that video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, if Drew Brees can do five million. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I know. Yeah. Be nice What's the problem? See, be nice to see Liz really step up there. But uh, yeah. uh, any other shout outs for you? Hmm. I mean, we do. I mean, we can say hello to Ben Swanson. He's still Swanson. still trying out for podcast supervisor. I don't want people to think that he's been fired or no, 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 no. has lost his chance. Exactly. Um, there's just you know some of these the technical issues of doing a podcast over the phone makes it so that it's essential personnel only. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we we're just trying to make uh, make do with what we can here, and hopefully. Uh, Everybody listening, you can put up with uh, some of the technical difficulties. I know uh, Eric's voice doesn't sound quite as uh, <laughs> deep and booming as you're used to. Yeah, we, we're not able to crank up the bass from afar. Exactly. you got to crank that bass sometimes, uh, only in the studio, though. Right. All right. Well, uh, of course, uh, you we do ha- have to shout out uh, all of the first responders. We heard Drew Locke mention that. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but uh, those people are truly heroes, uh, putting their life on the line all the time. Yeah, of course. And if you're, uh, you know, you're one of those people, and you want to be featured on the Neutral Zone, we're happy to honor you here. Um, just send us a, an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail dot com. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know the phone number. I mean, yeah, we I probably think, should I think, know that. I believe that it's a seven zero seven neutral. Oh. 707 nice. neutral so give us a call there too yeah leave a voicemail let us know how you're uh, you're doing we'd love to honor some of the heroes in the community also if you're just listening and you have a thought about free agency go ahead and chime in yeah i think actually, swanson we, can uh, send us that audio still yeah I, he should be able to i would think so i would think so so yeah um our thanks to uh the guests that appeared on the show this week uh, Drew Locke chiming in, uh, the Athletics, Lindsey Jones, and also uh, the Athletics, Vic Tafer. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back next week with much more as we try to uh, bring you the very best Broncos content, even from a distance. But until then, for Vic, for Eric Dalala, I am. I almost said Vic Fangio there. He's he's with me. He's been on the podcast all the time. <laughs> I hope that he's a big fan. I hope he's a fan. Uh, He says wrap it up, so. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. For Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The The Neutral Neutral Zone. Zone.